Chapter Seven, Part Three of the Pit. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. The last notes of the organ sank and faded into silence, a silence that left a sense of darkness like that which follows upon the flight of a falling star. And after a long moment, Laura sat upright, adjusting the heavy masses of her black hair with thrusts of her long white fingers. She drew a deep breath. Oh, she said, that was wonderful, wonderful. It is like a new language. No, it is like new thoughts, too fine for language. I have always believed so, he answered. Of all the arts, music, to my notion, is the most intimate. At the other end of the scale you have architecture, which is an expression of and an appeal to the common multitude, whole people, the mass. Fiction and painting and even poetry are affairs of the classes, reaching the groups of the educated. But music, ah, that is different. It is one soul speaking to another soul. The composer meant it for you and himself. No one else has anything to do with it. Because his soul was heavy and broken with grief, or bursting with passion, or tortured with doubt, or searching for some unnamed ideal, he has come to you, you of all the people in the world, with uh, his message, and he tells you of his yearnings and his sadness, knowing that you will sympathize, knowing that your soul has, like his, been acquainted with grief or with gladness, and in the music his soul speaks to yours, beats with it, blends with it, yes, is even spiritually married to it. And as he spoke, the electrics all over the gallery flashed out in a sudden blaze, and Curtis Jadwin entered the room, crying out, Are you here, Laura? By George, my girl, we pulled it off, and I've cleaned up five hundred thousand dollars. Laura and the artist faced quickly about, blinking at the sudden glare, and Laura put her hand over her eyes. Oh, I, I didn't mean to blind you, said her husband as he came forward. "'Well, I thought it wouldn't be appropriate to tell you the good news in the dark.' Corthell rose, and for the first time Jadwin caught sight of him. "'This is Mr. Corthell, Curtis,' Laura said. "'You remember him, of course.' "'Why, certainly, certainly,' declared Jadwin, shaking Corthell's hand. "'Glad to see you again. I hadn't any idea you were here.' He was excited, elated, very talkative. "'I guess I came in on you abruptly,' he observed. "'They told me Mrs. Jadwin was in here, and I was full of my good news. "'By the way, I do remember now. "'When I came to look over my mail on the way downtown this morning, "'I found a note from you to my wife, saying you would call tonight. "'Thought it was for me, and opened it before I found the mistake.' "'I knew you had gone off with it,' said Laura. "'Guess I must have mixed it up with my own mail this morning.' "'I'd have telephoned you about it, Laura, but upon my word I've been so busy all day I clean forgot it. I've let the cat out of the bag already, Mr. Corthell, and I might as well tell the whole thing now. I've been putting through a little deal with some Liverpool fellows today, and I had to wait downtown to get their cables tonight. You got my telephone, did you, Laura?' "'Yes, but you said you'd be up in half an hour.' "'I know, I know.' But those Liverpool cables didn't come till all hours. 
well as i was saying mr corthell i had this deal on hand it was that wheat laura i was telling you about this morning five million bushels of it and i found out from my english agent that i could slam it right into a couple of fellows over there if we could come to terms we came to terms right enough some of that wheat i've sold at a profit of fifteen cents on every bushel my broker and i figured it out just now before i started home and as i say i'm a clean half million to the good so much for looking ahead a little further than the next man he dropped into a chair and stretched his arms wide whoa i'm tired laura seems as though i've been on my feet all day do you suppose mary or martha or maggie whatever her name is could rustle me up a good strong cup of tea haven't you dined curtis cried laura oh i had a stand-up lunch somewhere with sam but we were both so excited we might as well have eaten sawdust <laughs> ho! i sure am tired it takes it out of you mr corthell to make five hundred thousand dollars in about ten hours indeed i imagine so assented the artist jadwin turned to his wife and held her glance in his a moment he was full of triumph full of the grim humor of the suddenly successful american hey he said what do you think of that laura he clapped down his big hand upon his chair arm a whole half million at one grab maybe they'll say down there in la salle street now that i don't know wheat <laughs> why sam that's gretry my broker mr corthell of gretry converse and company and sam said to me laura tonight he said jay they call me jay down there mr corthell jay i take my hat off to you i thought you were wrong from the very first but i guess you know the game better than i do yes sir that's what he said and sam gretry has been trading in wheat for pretty nearly thirty years oh i knew it he cried with a quick gesture i knew wheat was going to go up i knew it from the first when all the rest of them laughed at me i knew this european demand would hit us hard about this time i knew it was a good thing to buy wheat i knew it was a good thing to have special agents over in europe oh they'll all buy now when i've showed them the way upon my word i haven't talked so much in a month of sundays you must pardon me mr corthell i don't make five hundred thousand every day but this is the last isn't it said laura yes admitted jadwin with a quick deep breath i'm done now no more speculating let someone else have a try now see if they can hold five million bushels till it's wanted my my i am tired as i've said before that tea come laura what's that in your hand she answered smiling jadwin stared at the cup and saucer he held whimsically well well he exclaimed i must be flustered corthell he declared between swallows take my advice buy may wheat it'll beat art all hollow no dear no returned the artist i should lose my senses if i won my money if i didn't that's so keep out of it it's a rich man's game and at that there's no fun in it unless you risk more than you can afford to lose well let's not talk shop you're an artist mr corthell what do you think of our house later on when they had said good-bye to corthell and when jadwin was making the rounds of the library art gallery and drawing-rooms a nightly task which he never would entrust to the servants 
turning down the lights and testing the window fastenings his wife said and now you are out of it for good i don't own a grain of wheat he assured her i've got to be out of it the next day he went downtown for only two or three hours in the afternoon but he did not go near the board of trade building he talked over a few business matters with the manager of his real estate office wrote an unimportant letter or two signed a few orders was back at home by five o'clock and in the evening took laura page and landry court to the theatre after breakfast the next morning when he had read his paper he got up and thrusting his hands in his pockets looked across the table at his wife well he said now what'll we do she put down at once the letter she was reading would you like to drive in the park she suggested it is a beautiful morning mm, yes he answered slowly all right let's drive in the park but she could see that the prospect was not alluring to him no she said no i don't think you want to do that i don't think i do either he admitted the fact is laura i just about know the park by heart is there anything good in the magazines this month she got them for him and he installed himself comfortably in the library with a box of cigars near at hand ah oh, he said fetching a long breath as he settled back in the deep-seated leather chair now this is what i call solid comfort better than stewing and fussing about la salle streaked with your mind loaded down with responsibilities and all this is my idea of life but an hour later when laura who had omitted her ride that morning looked into the room he was not there the magazines were helter-skeltered upon the floor and table where he had tossed each one after turning the leaves a servant told her that mr jadwin was out in the stables she saw him through the window in a cap and greatcoat talking with the coachman and looking over one of the horses but he came back to the house in a little while and she found him in his smoking-room with a novel in his hand oh i read that last week she said as she caught a glimpse of the title isn't it interesting don't you think it is good no yes pretty good he admitted isn't it about time for lunch let's go to the matinee this afternoon laura oh that's so it's thursday i forgot let me read that aloud to you she said reaching for the book i know you'll be interested when you get farther along honestly i don't think i would be he declared i've looked ahead in it it seems terribly dry do you know he said abruptly if the law was off i'd go up to geneva lake and fish through the ice laura how would you like to go to florida oh i tell you she exclaimed let's go up to geneva lake over christmas we'll open up the house and take some of the servants along and have a house party eventually this was done the cresslers and the gretrys were invited together with sheldon corthell and landry court page and aunt west came as a matter of course jadwin brought up some of the horses and a couple of sleighs on christmas night they had a great tree and corthell composed the words and music for a carol which had a great success about a week later two days after new year's day when landry came down from chicago on the afternoon train he was full of the tales of a great day on the board of trade 
Laura, descending to the sitting room just before dinner, found a group in front of the fireplace where the huge logs were hissing and crackling. Her husband and Cressler were there, and Gretry, who had come down on an earlier train. Paige sat near at hand, her chin on her palm, listening intently to Landry, who held the center of the stage for the moment. In a far corner of the room, Sheldon Corthell, in a dinner coat and patent leather pumps, a cigarette between his fingers, read a volume of Italian verse. "'It was the confirmation of the failure of the Argentine crop that did it,' Landry was saying. "'That and the tremendous foreign demand. She opened steady enough at eighty-three, but just as soon as the gong tapped we began to get it. Buy, buy, buy. Everybody is in it now.' the public are speculating for one fellow who wants to sell there are a dozen buyers we had one of the hottest times i ever remember in the pit this morning laura saw jadwin's eyes snap i told you we'd get this sam he said nodding to the broker oh there's plenty of wheat answered gretry easily wait till we get dollar wheat if we do and see it come out the farmers haven't sold it all yet there's always an army of ancient hayseeds that have the stuff tucked away, in old stockings, I guess. And who'll dump it on you all right, if you pay enough? There's plenty of wheat. I've seen it happen before. Work the price high enough, and Lord, how they'll scrape the bins to throw it at you. You'd never guess from what out-of-the-way places it would come. I tell you, Sam, retorted Jadwin, the surplus of wheat is going out of the country, and it's going fast. "'and some of these shorts will have to hustle lively for it pretty soon.' "'The Crooks gang, though,' observed Landry, "'seem pretty confident the market will break. "'I'm sure they were selling short this morning.' "'The idea!' exclaimed Jadwin incredulously. "'The idea of selling short in face of this Argentine collapse "'and all this bull news from Europe.' "'Oh, there are plenty of shorts,' urged Gretry. "'Plenty of them.' End of chapter 7, part 3